Vancouver has confirmed that it's walking away from its uh, years-long commitment to pay workers a living wage uh, following uh, a vote that was that was uh, behind closed doors. Now, uh, the living wage uh, is essentially what it would take uh, for a family of four to live comfortably or at least have uh, basic needs covered, food, shelter, clothing, uh, daycare, all of that. Uh, so a mom and dad and two kids, a family of four, essentially. Uh, it is determined by the Living Wage for Families BC organization. Now, for this year, the rate is $24.08 per hour uh, in Metro Vancouver. And that's about a 17% increase from last year, uh, which is the largest year-over-year um, uh, jump that has been recorded. Now, if you think about it, uh, inflation uh, explains a lot of that. Now, the decision was made behind closed doors, and the city did say uh, that it was uh, difficult to administer uh, such these annual changes for an organization like the city of Vancouver. Joining me now to talk about uh, the city uh, saying that it wouldn't be uh, participating in the Living Wage um, program is Anastasia French, Provincial Manager of Living Wage for Families BC. Anastasia, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Why is this important in your mind that the city of Vancouver, a city that has unions, a city that pays benefits, a city that provides pensions, why is the loss of the city in this program an important thing in your mind? The city of Vancouver was Canada's largest living wage municipality. And over the years, they did an amazing job of encouraging lots of other employers and municipalities and businesses to also pay their staff a living wage. And so we're really disappointed that they're walking away from this commitment. Um, In particular, the the workers that are really impacted are those that are contracted workers. So they're non-unionized. They don't necessarily get any benefits. And they're the workers who were vital to keeping the city running during the pandemic and beyond. They're the cleaners, the security guards, people like that that are now not going to be able to know if they're going to be able to make rent or pay for food going forward. But just to confirm here, no city of Vancouver employee, full-time employee, makes less than $24 an hour? That's my that's my understanding, yeah. So what you're talking about are, are the employees who work for businesses that have contracts with the city of Vancouver? Yeah. Yeah, these are people who are working on behalf of the city, but not directly. So can the city not still say, look, we want want to encourage you to pay um, uh, your employees $24.08 minimum when you do business with the city? They absolutely can. And there are are municipalities across the province that are stepping up and doing the same thing. The city of Victoria, Port Coquitlam, Quinnell, as well as other large employers, um, they're grappling with this difficult rise and they're making it work. Uh, And we did say to the city if they needed more time, we would be happy to work with them to to give them a few extra months to bring staff up to the living wage. And instead of doing that, they've decided to to go with a completely different um, number instead. Uh, What... um I'm, I'm trying to understand the city of Vancouver. Like I said, it has uh, a set a set wages, and as you've said, everybody is paid more than twenty four dollars and eight cents. So they're already paying the living wage. They provide benefits, uh, health and dental. I'm assuming uh, they provide pensions. In many cases, in the public sector, those are defined benefit pension plans that mostly are not offered in the private sector anymore. Is this the priority for your organization or do you think it should be more private sector employers and and, and other sectors rather than just uh, government? 
Well, the role that the City of Vancouver and many other municipalities, and in fact even the BC government can do, is that by employing, they employ people as cleaners or as security guards to do this vital work on behalf of the city, mm-hmm. and it goes through it goes through other companies. So by being a living wage employer, you commit to paying both your direct staff and your contracted workers a living wage. Now, often for, for municipalities, actually, their direct staff are already earning the living wage, so actually it's less of an impact on them. But the big impact of being a living wage employer and the big difference you're making to people's lives is those contracted workers. Um, and you can put clauses in those contracts to make sure that while working for you, so while they're cleaning city properties, while they're guarding city properties, while they're doing all that, they're earning a living wage for that. While they're looking after the city, they're making sure that they can afford to live in the city. Mm-hmm. But there are some, I guess, administrative challenges here as well. Like if you say in a year that the living wage rate has gone up 17% and you have a, a governments that generally have set um, contracts with unions, it's hard to just bring in a 17% increase. How do you do that when you have set pay grids and pay increases with unions already? So we, we, we work with unions to do that and um, exemptions can be made for collective agreements. Often um, with the contracts, when we're talking about cleaning and security guards, the clause in the contract is that you, pay, you will agree to pay your staff the living wage. And mm-hmm. so the living wage changes every year and so it's kind of vague with that but the living wage as set by by us. Um, and then they can they sometimes um, municipalities will kind of pay on top and they'll pay the extra amount to make sure that money is then transferred onto the workers. I think the other thing to note is when we when we say that um, with the living wage employer the living wage can also be made up of other benefits as well. Mm-hmm. So it's not just that the staff have to take home $24 an hour but if for example that cleaning company, that security guard firm, they offered health and dental then that lowers their living wage a little bit as well by that. And it's not that they have to give a 17% pay increase to absolutely all of their staff, but just making sure those folks on the bottom are brought up. The increase this year, it was substantial, and we know that it might affect more than one pay grade. So it might not just be the people at the bottom being brought up, it might be the people above them. Uh, there are ways to work through it, and there are ways that the, the other cities have managed to work through it, and are making sure that they can. anyone working for those cities are earning a living wage. Mm-hmm. Do you think that in, rather than focusing on the city of Vancouver, that we collectively as a society and in your organization as, that's been advocating this be, be pushing the provincial government to say, let's work towards raising the minimum wage rather than having a living wage and you have different private sector and public sector employers. Let's work towards a living wage for the entire province. Now, that is challenging. Many small businesses are already having difficulty with the, the minimum wage that has that was implemented by this NDP government and there are built-in increases with inflation every year. Uh, many people in broadly British Columbians would like would like that, and even even those small businesses say they are struggling with that, and I understand that. But shouldn't that be the focus of let, let's work on a broad-based uh, living wage increase for all of British Columbia rather than sort of uh, some public sector employers and some private sector employers? We, we advocate for both. When the minimum wage goes up, that helps all workers, and it's fantastic when that happens. Uh, and we encourage the provincial government to, to continue to lift the minimum wage. And when that gap between the minimum wage and the living wage is so substantial, it gets really hard. And that's why places like the city of Vancouver are really struggling, because that gap is so big and so substantial. So absolutely, the minimum wage does need to be lifted. But the living wage is also an opportunity for employers to step up and to say they're doing better, to differentiate differentiate themselves from others. And it's kind of a, it's an option thing for employers to do and we stand up and we applaud those employers that do pay a living wage. It's just really disappointing when you get a, an organisation the size of the City of Vancouver that, that then walk away from that commitment and the impact that that's going to have on those workers. Anastasia, thank you for your time today. No worries.